When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? It is Ricky the Blue, the associate editor and Virginia Tech football beat writer for TechSideline.com. Welcome back to another episode of the TSL podcast. As always, I'm joined by my cohorts and bosses here at TSL in the awesome, awesome, pristine TSL studios here at the offices in Radford. The modern high tech <laughs> Will TSL Stewart studios. And Chris Coleman are here with me. Guys, um, is winter over at this point? Well, it's like it's like seventy degrees outside. It's sunny. It's breezy, like it's spring, and it's absolutely gorgeous. When I went outside, and I love it. When I went outside this morning, uh, there was actually a few like of those little small purple flowers just sprouting up in oh, the middle boy. of the yard. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking, man, they look really nice for February. Too bad they're they're all gonna die in three <laughs> weeks when we have a giant March blizzard. So, yeah, yeah. Chris wife... is always with the pessimistic outlook yeah. on or, things. Well, when it comes to weather, yes, I'm very pessimistic. <laughs> this is true. Dri- driving a Mustang will do that to you. I used to, I used to be the same way. Uh, my wife has daffodils in the front flower bed, and they're always they're always poking up two or three inches this time of year. Mm-hmm. So, so is, is today the top down weather for you guys? You guys both drive convertibles, which are much nicer than the car I drive. Are you going to go top down today? I, mean, I, I bought the Miata in uh, August of 2015, and I have had the top down at least one day in every month since then, including all the Januaries and Februaries. And the and December, actually, too. December? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, But I already took care of uh, February because we've had a couple warm days. Oh, so. okay. We'll see. I have a longer drive home than Will. And, this and is we'll true. go faster speeds, so it gets a little chillier in mind. Fair so enough. We'll, we'll see. It, tomorrow, it, definitely, though, it's supposed to be 71 tomorrow and 70 on Thursday. All right. Well, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's going to be nice a Also, lot greater fi- greater than 50% chance of rain right. the next two days. Great. So. Wonderful. I'll always got to rain on our parade. Yeah. Um, literally. So <laughs> what we'll do in this podcast, obviously, there's plenty of Virginia Tech basketball to get to. Get to. Uh, Tech played two games since we last recorded an episode of the podcast. And also, we'll preview their upcoming game against Clemson. And if we have time, depending on how that runs, we might hit on some some recruiting questions that I have because Virginia Tech was in the 757 this weekend, and also they were up in Nova hosting a couple coaching clinics. So I wanted to ask a couple questions about that. But first, before we get to all that, I do want to introduce one of the sponsors of the, of the TSL podcast. This has been a longtime sponsor of Tech Sideline, the Fisher Law Firm. The Fisher Law Firm is Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicating to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. They have offices in Blacksburg, Abingdon, and Charlottesville and are able to serve the entire Commonwealth of Virginia. Whether you are charged with driving under the influence or speeding, the Fisher Law Firm realizes that each case is important to the client. The firm does cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia and regularly appears in over 30 jurisdictions. Last year, 98% of their caseload was traffic offenses, and to date, the firm has defended more than 15,000 people charged with moving violations. If you need a free consultation, you can call them at any time, day or evening, toll-free at one 800 Six eight zero seven zero three one, or you can email them at info at fisherlegal.com. Again, the number is one eight hundred six eight zero seven zero three one, and you can email them at info at fisherlegal.com. 
Thank you so much, guys, for, for sponsoring the podcast. They've been around with TSL yeah, for how uh, long now? Um, they have just signed up to start, I believe, their fifth year of sponsorship of the wow. website. So they've been with us a long time. And Jonathan Fisher is a 1998 Virginia Tech grad and a diehard Hokie. So uh, good guy. And if, if you need him, uh, look him up and give him a shot at winning your business. Definitely. All right, so let's go ahead and get to Virginia Tech basketball. Obviously, the first game that we need to hit on is the Virginia Tech-Duke game. And we were actually having a conversation about something related to this game before we went on air here on the podcast. And Tech lost this game by 22 points. Um, they trailed by eight, I believe it was, at the half, 36 to 28. Uh, and then after that point, it seemed like they weren't really in the game. And Will, you met, you talked, you brought up uh, Tech Talk Live notes, which Buzz was on Tech Talk Live last night, talking about the 20 game ACC schedule that uh, teams are going to start playing. Um, and I guess starting in 2019 when the ACC Network pops up, uh, and you, you were talking about how teams are just going to have bad nights. Teams are going to tank, and, and it seemed like Tech just kind of tanked in this game. Yeah, a uh, couple of thoughts related to that. Um, I think once Virginia Tech won the, the road game at UVA, they were kind of playing with house money. Um, they had a three-game road stretch against uh, UVA, Duke, this, and Georgia UVA Tech. Duke, and Georgia Tech. Yeah, so UVA and Georgia Tech were on Saturdays, and Duke was on a Wednesday in between. <laughs> and I think once they put forth that kind of effort on the road in Charlottesville, and it, it was a strong effort, went to overtime, I, I think, you know, they were playing with house money, and uh, I'm not surprised that they did not perform well at Duke. My personal experience with the game was I didn't watch it because I was traveling to a uh, – high school state swim meet. Um, I did, uh, they were actually playing it on ESPN Extra on uh, Sirius XM. So I listened to, the, okay. listened to the first half and you could tell that if Duke just stopped turning the ball over, it was going to get away from Virginia Tech. Even in the even in the first half when, when Tech, like I said, was only down by eight, it still felt like they were down a lot more by they, eight. They were just hanging on. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think there's a, there's a natural inclination. When you win a big road game at UVA, and then you have another road game, and then you have another road game. And that third road game is against a team that's very, very beatable. <laughs> Extremely I, I, beatable. I think, I think the law of averages of you winning three straight road games. Two of ACC, which against elite teams. Right. It's non-existent. You're not going to do that. So I think it's a natural inclination to to maybe hold back and then and and go all in on the one that you have the chance to win. Um and and even if it's even if I'm wrong and it's not natural inclination, it's the law of averages. Yeah, uh, I, I would yeah. say everything regresses to the mean. Everything exactly. regresses to the mean. I, I I do think Tech played pretty well in the first half against Duke. Uh, Duke had some turnovers that helped, but Virginia Tech missed a lot of shots around the basket that they normally make. Yeah, yep. Um, and and honestly, I I kind of quit paying heavily heavy attention to the game early in the second half when Justin Robinson went to the bench with his, with his third foul. And at that point, he had picked up his third foul, and Duke had been called for one foul as a as a team yeah, early in the second half. And that's the point where you realize, well, it's just not in the cards tonight. And I'm not saying the refs show up and 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 are going into heavy in Duke's favor intentionally and everything like that. But this, you know, sometimes that's just the way the game goes down there. And at that point, I'm just thinking, you know, our best player is not on the court. We're down by eight. We're on the road at Duke. Let's just rest the starters and, and, and get ready for Georgia Tech on Saturday is kind of what I'm thinking at that point. I'd love to, to go through and, and look at the numbers and have someone figure out uh, if Duke is – like what's the, the foul differential at Cameron Indoor? 
between I, I think Duke and the have, road team. I think people have studied that, and they don't find a big disparity okay. between what happens at home and what, ha- what happens on the road. I mean, Duke gets a lot of attention, so somebody out there has studied that. Right. Um, but but back to the topic, if, if I think about some of the games I've seen this year, and, and specifically we were talking about uh, North Carolina at Virginia Tech, when, when Tech beat UNC was number 10 and Tech beat him in Castle. Yeah. Um, that has skewed my perception of North Carolina. Uh, you know, Billis called them out that night for not playing hard. They weren't he getting did. back on he defense. Did. North Carolina didn't really show up, you know, and, and, and they paid for it. And that skewed my perception of North Carolina because they just didn't look very good that night. They did. But they are. They're a top-ten team. I can't spout their record off the top of my head, but they've gone on to win a lot of basketball games. I think games they've won five that. in a row now. And yeah, they just got I, done beating Louisville I at watched, Louisville. And I watched that game. They didn't just beat him. They punked Louisville for, from the opening. To, <laughs> yeah. um, That's one of my favorite adjectives, getting they, punked. They, they hammered them. I mean, Louisville could not stop them. I mean, Carolina was making shots from everywhere. Yeah, um, but, but not the Carolina that we saw in Castle. No, yeah, yeah. And honestly, I, I, don't think, I don't think anything we said about Carolina uh, after that game was inaccurate. We said they weren't as talented this year as they have been in, in a lot of their past Top ten seasons, and, and, and that's and I, accurate. Yeah, it still holds. If, if you if you look at the the NBA draft projections for this year and next year, not a single Carolina player is projected right. to be drafted. I mean that that's that's crazy to think about. And and I went into that game scared to death of Luke May, and he really didn't do jack that night. But then he went out like a week or two later and hung thirty three points and seventeen boards he, on some. He reminds me of like a smaller, more experienced version of Kerry Blackshear. He's not he, he's not very athletic, just like Blackshear. But but he's skilled and he knows how to play and uh, but he he's older than Blackshear so uh, you know he's got more experience and, and everything like that. He's but, a man. He's got a beard. Yeah, he he does. <laughs> he's got a beard. But he's another guy. He's their best player. He's not going to sniff the NBA. This is going to turn out to be one of Roy Williams' best coaching jobs. He might not ever say that on record, but when you look at yeah. the talent he's had and the games he's won throughout his career, whether it's at Kansas, whether it's at UNC. I mean, there's no Ty Lawson or Tyler Hansbro or, or, or what was the Davis kid? Uh, uh, Hubert? Uh, no. Is that going too far That's back? Going, he's a coach now. He's a coach now, Will. <laughs> uh, too old, man. Yeah, anyway, I, I, forget, I forget the Davis guy's name, first name. but uh, Ed Davis? Uh, Ed Davis. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. Ed Only Davis. reason I knew that was because I remember seeing him in NBA 2K, uh, and right. I traded for him. Right. Well, there, there's, there's so, anyway, there's so many great uh, Carolina players through, through the years. Not our finest moment in the podcast. <laughs> well, not my finest Hubert Davis. I saw him on the bench next to Roy Williams the other night, but he had a suit on. So, so, so UNC. <laughs> is now 21 and 7 this season. They're 10 and 5 in the conference and since that Virginia Tech loss, uh they they then lost to North Carolina State. They then lost to Clemson, but now they've won 4 in a row I think since it's then. 5. I thought yes, it was five. yeah, yes it is 5. They won um, Pittsburgh, Duke, uh NC State, Notre Dame and at Louisville. Right. So, yeah, some I mean, some good teams. Yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, there's there's a couple tournament teams in there. There's uh, and, some talented and, teams in and, there. Honestly, so, UNC has no business beating Duke from a talent perspective. No, no. no. And, 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 you know, we talked about this in between the UVA game and before the UVA game and all that, but UVA is the best team that Tech has played all year, but Duke is the the most talented most team talented. that Tech has played all year in terms of just pure talent. Oh, yeah. They're, they're way in the Duke, Duke, Duke has surpassed Kentucky. And they didn't as even far have the Marvin and, Bagley. Right. They've, they've surpassed Kentucky as far as the, the one-and-done guys go. Yeah, it and, sure and, seems and it's, like it. it. That's kind of depressing to me. Like, I was never a Duke fan, but I always respected them. I, I always liked the way they played. Uh, 
and for a while there, when, when one and duns became a trend, it seemed like Coach K was staying away from it. it. Yeah. And um, he only had a couple early on. He had Kyrie Irving right. was one, right? Yeah, uh, and I don't and know. Kyrie if anybody Irving really played half a season. He didn't play that much. I think it was like seven games because <laughs> he was uh, hurt. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. So, and so I think uh, it's kind of depressing to me to see them go go that go down that path because they're Duke. All right, they're they're a great academic institution, and I, I can't balance that in my head. With a bunch of one and duns, you know, it Coach just it probably, doesn't seem right to me. I don't blame him for doing it. I was about to say it. he's Duke, probably trying to Duke, avoid becoming Bill Self, right. where you're, you're 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 in there every year and you never have but the talent to get over it. the hump. I right. mean, Kansas has won the Big Twelve for eight thousand years in a row, and they have one NCAA title to show for it. Right. And a lot of that's just because Kansas has always been a really good team, but they've never had that transcendent talent. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's pretty accurate. So I'm actually a little, it's a little depressing as the for the ACC basketball. A guy who grew up a, an hour from Tobacco Road, and you know, just seeing Duke and Carolina, growing up seeing those schools go at each other. Yeah. Not not being a fan of either either school, but but you can appreciate the rivalry, right? Exactly. And and I, Duke always had a certain way of doing things, and. They don't do it that way anymore as far as the one-and-done guys go. They, they, I mean, when when Grayson Allen is your four-year player and that guy – Nobody is, likes him. Right. He's, he's not likable. I mean, they had so many likable players. Uh, Other than Christian Leitner. I liked Christian Leitner. Oh, oh okay. Christian Leitner gets better with age, man. If you've ever seen the special, I hate oh, Christian Leitner. Oh, it Leitner. is. Oh, it's great. I, I mean, but but, but back I, then – I, I mean, liked I Christian Leitner. I, I liked but, Bobby Hurley. I liked Grant Hill. Man, I, I liked I liked those guys. I only liked Grant Hill because he was a piston. Well, well, you, 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 but here's the thing: these days you can't get to know any of them. They're only there for yeah. a year. And, and you get to know Grayson Allen, and he's just tripping people all over the court. <laughs> That's what you get. to This know is something that him. I'd yeah. actually like to talk about this this summer in the podcast because I do feel like the one and done culture has really changed college basketball, and it's I, I really hurt. It. It's hurt the the soul of the sport almost. Well, I would love to see them go to the baseball model of if you go to college, you you got to stay there three yeah. years. You can't go to the NBA. Unless... Or if you want to go straight to the NBA, go ahead and do it. If you feel like you're ready, I then know. go ahead. You know, I, I, I That's guess... up to the NBA. I guess yeah, the, I they guess don't he, want to scout high schoolers. Adam yeah, the, the, has the, to, the one and yeah. done rule got put in because the NBA was making too many mistakes drafting high schoolers, right? Well, there were several instances of that. But there were also several high schoolers that, that panned out. I mean, LeBron's you, pretty good. Yeah. Who? <laughs> <laughs> you had you had guys like Sebastian Telfair who who never panned out. He right. was a high school player, immediately flamed out in the in the mm-hmm. NBA. But then you have guys like Kevin Garnett, uh, LeBron, obviously Jermaine Kobe, O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neal. I mean, there were there were tons of those guys in the in the nineties where they were all those those you know straight to NBA players from high school and they were all really good. Right. Well, you know, they need to get it together and this is what I hope they're doing with their D League is is starting to pay more competitive yes. salaries with some of these colleges to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, because oh. I, uh, seriously, okay. Guys, yeah, I don't think you're wrong, but I think all it's All right, funny. so your 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 highest salary in the D League is what like 75 grand it minimum. Right. It might be even more. Is I mean, it more than that now? I mean, I, I, I mean, a few years, dude. A, a few years ago, I'm not sure. But if you're a practice squad player in the NFL and you uh, stay no. on for a year, you look, make I've, I looked this up a couple years ago, and most D League players are making twenty five or thirty grand. And I think they've changed the rule in the last year, and some of them are actually making 
like seventy five grand now or something well, like that. Good. I mean, they, but they but, the, but it's a, but what my point is either way, it's not competitive with Louisville. Apparently. Oh, well, but, but, <laughs> but, 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 so if you're a one and done player, why would you go to well, the D League well, when you can make more to, money in college? We have to ask the NCAA the financial value of strippers. I don't think that they ever well, put no, that, that, okay, put that value that. out there. <laughs> can the D League even take high, guys out of high school? I'm pretty or, sure or you they... can. That you can go play in, in the D League. It's not the NBA. I think you currently would have to go overseas first. Are but you, I do think, but you, but you should be allowed to play. You should in the be D-League. able to. There should be a developmental yes, league. Exactly. Yeah. Totally agree. For, for I know. It's like the that. same thing with that. The that that, that way they baseball. can de- they can develop these guys in their own systems. Exactly. Instead of sending them to Calipari for a year right. or or Shashevsky for a right. year, and then having them uh, you know practice in a college system in a college weight room. I feel like every NBA team should have a Triple A team, so to speak. Yeah, and and they're getting more to that point. I don't think that there's a a, a well now it's the G League, but I still call it the D League. I don't think that there is a, a D League team for every team every NBA team yet, but they're pretty close. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're, they're pretty close at this point. Let's go ahead and move on to Virginia Tech's next game, which was against Georgia Tech and. Um, Georgia Tech we, again we were talking about this before we went on air they just kind of kind of quit I mean they were <laughs> they were getting pummeled we were talking about it in our group message during the game you know Georgia Tech's not very good their head coach is being accused of some some shady things personally um they, they yeah they, they just got they got they got beat bad I mean it it was it was bad it was hard to watch yeah, they're not good, and and then they and then they kind of once they got punched in the mouth, they kind of cowered in the corner. I'm, I'm blanking. Who's, who's the big dude for them? Lammers, ben Lammers. Ben Lammers. Who ben I really Lammers. like. Buzz, ben Lammers. Buzz had, recruited him to Marquette. Ben well, Lammers had four points, three rebounds, and two blocks, and that and, was and it. They, and they were saying they had a he had a bad knee and a bad ankle. I believe it. I mean, I'm terrified of Ben it. Lammers, and yeah. he didn't do jack against Virginia yeah. Tech. We saw him day. last year in Castle, and oh, he was a man. he was a bear. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I thought that he was a potential NBA player. But this is a guy who averages four blocks a game or something like that. Yeah, he's, and he's, he's a big his, time shot blocker and you know eleven or twelve points a game, good rebounder. I mean, a guy that we'd all very much like to have playing for Virginia Tech. <laughs> Buzz would yeah. like to have yeah. playing for him, but he was a non-factor on Saturday. Virginia Tech shot almost fifty-three percent from the field in this game. J. Rob had eighteen points uh, with three threes. Uh, Devin Wilson six points and four assists. I think he's really found a way to incorporate himself in the system uh, and be a valuable player even though offensively he's limited. Well, he's limited from a scoring standpoint. Yeah. Uh, now, I think you can't underestimate the value of, of his defensive presence on the court. Tech has a much better defensive team, it seems like, with him out there. Yeah. Uh, add in the fact that they've been focusing on it a lot in practice. But here's the other thing that I don't think anybody else has talked about. Seven players in Virginia Tech history have more than 400 assists in their career. Two of them are in the starting lineup right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Devin Wilson, there, when it comes to ball movement and things like that, there's no drop-off. If anything, yeah. it's better. Yeah, um, so because he, he's a point, he's a point so, guard. So he might not be able to go out there and score points, but he's being a very efficient offensively when he is in the game. I mean, he's dishing out assists. Uh you know he's making most of his shots because he's just finding finding himself wide open underneath the basket because nobody's guarding him. Georgia Tech refused to guard him, right? Yeah, so he got some layups. Uh, key stat from that game for me was at one point Virginia Tech went on a fifty-six to eighteen run. <laughs> Man, and and during that run, Georgia Tech was missing I think twenty-three point shots in a row. In the they were just jacking it in up. In the second half alone, they were one of twelve from three. Tadrick Jackson. They were three and, of three. And they were four of twenty-five overall. Yeah, so they were three of three, and then they were three of twenty-three, and then they made one of their last two. Tadrick Jackson, I think, was uh, 
what was he, six of 17 from the field? And he, but he started five of five? Five of six. Five of six? Yeah. Yep. Um, that was something that, that, that I, I think, um, yeah. Chris Clark was asked of on Tech Talk Lab last night where they were talking about how he got off to such a hot, a hot start and Chris was um, kind of begging them to get in the game so he could guard him. And then he was also saying that they could send Tyree Jackson in the game right. to guard his brother. And I think Jackson, uh, Tadrick Jackson for Georgia Tech, he got off to a hot start. I think he was really amped up to be playing against his brother and have his mom in the crowd. Yeah. I mean, it was a big game for him because when he missed that dunk, he was the one that missed that dunk that flew all the way back to half, half court, court right? and out of yeah. bounds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he was a little, little too amped up, and getting off to such a hot start actually hurt him throughout the course of the game because he was he was feeling it per se at that point, and then just kept shooting and started kept shooting. Checking. And then and then at that point, he just started missing dunks, and, and, he, he didn't, and it's just not your day. Little, so, little, little brother showed him up in the dunk, yeah, in the dunk yeah, he contest. Did. Yeah, he did. Tyree had what two slams? One was an alley oop. Yeah, yeah. We, we've got to give Laser credit for for the call. <laughs> So John now Laser, I've seen pigs yeah. fly. Yeah. Uh, Tyree Jackson's nickname the, is for, Pig. Yeah, for the uninitiated. Well, I was about to say, how many people who listen to that call know that his nickname is Pig? That's a good question. Uh, I, I, whenever I'm tweeting during games, I go back and forth between calling him Tyree and calling him Pig. Well, and, if they've if they've ever listened to Buzz, Buzz, I've never heard Buzz, Buzz never say the word Tyree name Jackson. Tyree. Ever. He's never. I don't think he, I've ever heard him say Justin the only, the, Robbins. The only time he's, he said Tyree is when I think the first time he said pig and everybody asked him, what does that mean? Who does that? Right. Who, like, who is pig? Right. <laughs> and, and Buzz, I don't think I've heard Buzz say the word Justin, even though yeah, two of his players five. are named Justin. It's always five or and bibs. bibs yeah, yeah. Five yeah. and bibs. Uh, Virginia Tech is now 19 and eight overall this year. They're eight and six in the ACC. Uh, they've got Clemson coming up on deck. Uh, before we get into Clemson, quick preview. Um, the current bracketology predictions as of uh, last night, which would be Monday night, um, ESPN's Joe Lenardi has Virginia Tech as a 10 seed versus Alabama, and CBS Sports' Jerry Palm, who I know, Chris, you really like, um, has Virginia Tech as a 9 seed versus Arkansas, and they would play Kansas in the second round if they were to win that game. Um, do those projections sound pretty pretty fair? I think it would. at this stage, Tech would be anywhere between a 8 and Maybe an eleven. Uh, I think it, you know, d- depends on what. It happens feels like being an eleven out. at this point would be it, it, almost it, it, preferred. Uh, maybe. Although I will say that if you're, if you, if there's ever a year to be an eight nine, this would be it. I don't know who outside of UVA. I don't know who's deserving really of a number one. There's nobody I'm scared of per se. Um, not scared of a Villanova. No, I wanted not. to play. I. I Tech got, I know last year Tech, you wanted to that, play. That was the bracket I wanted last year. I was like, if we're going to be in an eight nine game, I want. Villanova to be the number one seed because I think we can beat them because they're not going to outsize us, you know. And they almost sure enough, the same brand of basketball, pretty much. They they do they in, much, in terms of physicality they do. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean size and everything like that. Um, turns out, you know, Tech lost to Wisconsin and then Wisconsin went on and beat Villanova in the yeah, second round. Sure enough, and, and Tech and the Tech Wisconsin game was a great game. It, it was down to the wire. Um, so so I think it just depends on the matchup, and I, I have not seen Xavier play. Uh, so I don't know anything about them. I know Villanova took it to them over the weekend. But at this point, you, you're seeing teams like, is Michigan State not beatable? I know they came back against Northwestern, but they, but were, they, down were, down, by, they were down by 27 yeah. points in that game. Yeah, they, uh, they, they really were. If they go and play Alabama, they're going to have to deal with that talented freshman, Colin Sexton, who's averaging over 18 points a game, averaging 3.6 rebounds a game, 3.5 assists per game. Um, but I feel like he's kind of their most of their team. So I feel like... Buzz would be able to kind of keep him contained, you would think. Ah, I guess so. 
Um, maybe, uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just think it's it's kind of a. No, nobody knows who the best team is. Um, Bit of a crapshoot this year. Uh, you know, I, I think for sure that if you started the tournament tomorrow, UVA would be the number one overall seed. There's no question in my mind. And they'd have their, to be. their resume is that of the of the number one overall seed. Are they the best team in the country? Can they win the national championship? I sort of have my doubts because you you see what happens to them when, when their offense is off, as great as their defense is. I, I don't think they're quite as good as they need to be offensively. But yet I do think they should be the number one overall seed, and I I think they're the best team in the country right now when it comes to their resume. But who would – you don't – but if I don't think they're going to win the national championship, then who is? I don't know. I'm not in love with any of those teams. It's, it's not like some years in the past where you could say, oh, man, that team's really good, and that team's really good, and that team's elite, and – to me, I, I just I look at teams this year and I'm thinking, you know what? You might be a number one seed this year, but in 2011 you would be you you were only good enough to be a number two seed. So you know, I just uh, I think there's maybe a little more parity in that top group of 12 schools yeah. or so this year. I mean, somebody actually had Auburn projected as a one seed at one point last week, and then they lost over the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I would have loved to have played Auburn in yeah, the second round. I think that would be the most beatable but, one seed in, in, in history. Sure. But the thing with UVA, and I mean, basketball is a make-or-miss game. UVA, it, they they have to find ways to make shots, and that's going to be their, their kind of challenge the rest of the way through is that they're always going to be able to kind of make teams miss more often than they make. But UVA is always going to have to, to be able to be efficient offensively. They're never going to put up – 80, 85 points, but they need to find ways to be efficient, and that's something that they struggle with against Tech. Yeah, they can't so, do things like they did against Virginia Tech. Oh, yeah, sure, because they, they will get beat. And that gets back to the earlier topic of teams having having off days. UVA didn't shoot very well against no. Tech at all. Shot very know? poorly. The other, the other end of that spectrum is – they play such great defense that even if they have an off night shooting, they're still going to be in the oh, game. Yeah, as bad yeah. as poor. Like Kyle, Kyle Guy goes five of twenty one, and it comes down to right. overtime. Right, right. Win in overtime. If, if Tech had been playing a team that didn't play defense like UVA, and their two best players combined to shoot like Jerome and, and Guy did for UVA that They'd night, Tech would have won the game by like twenty or twenty five points. Yeah, but UVA is so good defensively, like yeah. you said, Chris. They keep themselves in the game. Virginia Tech has number fifteen Clemson next. That's Wednesday at 7 p.m. on regional networks. There's an affiliate list on TSL all the time. You can go look at that. Uh, I don't have any of those channels, so it's going to be great. They suggest that I go to a bar. i got to figure out what I'm going to do for this one. Clemson is 20-6 and six overall. They're 9-5 and five in the ACC. Um, they're still missing their best player, Dante Grantham. Um, they, but they still have four healthy players who average at least 10 points a game. So this is a this is a pretty deep balanced scoring team. So what has been their last three or four games? Tell me, tell me who they've played, where uh-huh. they've played, what the scores have been. Just played Duke, right? Lost that, to Duke at home, home over the weekend in a mm-hmm. close game. Yeah. Um, so you know what I'm looking for here? I'm looking to see where where is where's Clemson's the trend? psyche? Right. What's I was their trend? I was really hoping that they would uh, they would beat Duke over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so in their last three, they've um, lost two in a row, actually. Oh, Lord, man. They, that's, that's not good. Yeah, <laughs> so, 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 so they had a stretch where they, um, they they beat Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Wake, and Pittsburgh. And then their last two, they lost to Florida State on the road in overtime by two. And then they lost to Duke. At home, right? Yes. The, the Duke game was yes. home. Now, who beat them before that? Um, Florida State. By two. Yes, so they lost overtime, two really 81, close games, 79. and that was at that was that at Florida State. Yeah. Yes, okay. 
Uh, so then they get Virginia Tech, and then looking ahead, they have a very winnable game, Georgia Tech in at Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> and they get Florida State again in Clemson, okay. and then they finish the year at Syracuse. But, yeah, they've lost two in a row, so they've got to be a little motivated at this point. I feel like you would uh, think. We'll use the phrase regressing to the mean. Clemson's, earlier. Clemson's yeah, finally regressing right. Clemson's a bit. good, but you know, they they've been number two in the ACC standings for most of the year. And they're but they're not that good. Duke should be number two in the ACC standings, right? From a pure Yeah, from a pure pure talent talent standpoint. Well, if, from a pure talent standpoint, they should be number one. But with UVA being a clear number one, then Duke should be the clear number two from a from you know, from a talent standpoint. Yeah. Uh who who is is Duke number two right now or, or is it UNC? I think it's Duke. Yes, Duke is yes, right. Duke is second in the in the ACC. Okay. So they're where they um, should be. They're uh, 20, uh, 22 and five overall, ten and four in the conference. And so Carolina's third. They're, they're three games back in the loss column. At UVA uh, yeah, they're second yeah. in the conference. And, and, right, and Carolina's third. Carolina third. Clemson, Clemson four. See, Virginia Tech is tied for fifth with right. NC State and Louisville. Then you have Miami, Florida State, Syracuse, BC, the injured Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, and. The lowly pan, uh, Panthers of Pittsburgh. I feel like where Clemson should be is the four to eight range, kind of around where Virginia Tech is, especially right. without Grantham in the lineup. Correct. Um, so maybe you know over the course of the last four games of the season, they will regress to that. To, to that. Um, I, I mean, at the at the at the end of the day, you are who you are through eighteen games, not through fourteen games or, yeah, or through twelve games. True. Through twelve games, they were second in the ACC. Yeah, um, and now they've dropped back to four. And they were almost in the top ten, right? And uh, and you know it, there is precedent of teams losing three games in a row. Obviously, North Carolina did it. Yeah, early, yeah. earlier this year. Um, so I, I would have preferred actually Clemson to win one of those last two games because they've been so good all year that it's law that it suggests that they would not lose three in a row. But yeah. they are going on the road, and and I know that hasn't meant a lot because Tech has lost to some good teams in, <laughs> yep. in, in Castle this year, obviously. But uh, in you've big also environments, and it's going to be sold out supposedly again. Well, you've you've, on you've, night. you've also got to think that that's that's going to stop soon, right? Tech I mean, losing at home. Yeah, I mean you would yeah. think so. I mean they'll they'll lose at home to Duke probably, but but Clemson is more talented than Miami and Florida State. Are they more talented, or are they just more experienced? Well, they're, they're certainly a better team, right? But you, you can make an argument that Florida State might be better talent wise. Well, see, Miami, maybe than Clemson. I think but. I think Miami hasn't played as well recently. Uh, ever since they lost, uh, well, they lost that their, one of their top players, right? Bruce before, Brown. Bruce right, Brown, right before the Tech game, they played well without him against Tech. They haven't played well without him since. So I, I think you're actually seeing Miami drop off. And regress to where they should be without Brown in the lineup. So just let's talking about this Clemson Clemson game. Let's just go back one game. Sure, Virginia Tech was on the road Saturday, but that was easy. And sure, Clemson was at home, but that it was, was Duke. You know, so and now Clemson has to go on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, I, I like the way things are setting up. You, you never is, know what's going to happen. Tech is well rested too. No, no starter in that in the Virginia Tech Georgia Tech game Whenever played like, more than twenty four minutes. Yep. So. I think one of the questions you got to ask yourself is I don't know how long Grantham has been out, but uh, they it's been quite a few games now. It's been a while, so, so, so they've gotten used to it without him. Yeah, and and so are they getting better and better without him, or are trends establishing themselves on film without him in there that coaches are possibly getting to the point they can exploit? So far this season, they're eleventh in the ACC in field goal percentage, are shooting just over forty two percent from the field. Uh, but defensively, they're one of the best teams in the ACC 
in conference play, they have the third lowest points per game allowed at 68.4. That makes me feel good. Because you don't have to worry about a high-powered offense. Go, going into the Georgia Tech game, they were really bad at offense, but they were a solid defensive team. Mm-hmm. It seems yeah, that, so that, that, that didn't matter. Tech, Tech of... lit them up. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, not to say that Clemson and Georgia Tech are the same because they're yeah. clearly not. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> but, uh, yes, this is true. But, you know, I, 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 I like where Virginia Tech is trending defensively. And I'm pointing to Devin Wilson partially. I think, I think part of it is the fact that Buzz – laid down the law in practice basically and said okay the guys this is what we need to do we have to we have to start playing better defense and something clicked in their head and where they said yeah we do and yeah. now they see that they are a better team when they do play defense and they can still score you know if they if if they had actually played all the starters those last 10 minutes i mean they could have they could have scored 90 on george tech they yeah they, if that game would have been like 90 to 55 or, or 90 to 50 or something like that i mean it would have been a complete blowout so what do, what do we know about i mean i know you haven't done your game preview and all that yet what do we know about clemson as far as size and what do, what do you see there for rebounding margin I'm not sure with rebounding margin that, that I mean Chris usually does the game preview, so Bill's here putting me on the spot. Uh, you're not, looking at the computer. I've not looked them <laughs> but, up statistically. Um, so, I, I, so the, 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 I know they have four healthy players that are averaging ten a game. Marquise Reed, fifteen point six. Mm-hmm. Gabe Devoe, thirteen point two. Shelton Mitchell, eleven point eight. And Elijah Thomas, ten point three. So even though they're not a great offensive team, they have multiple guys that have that ability of being able to score. And they don't have one or two guys you have to shut down right. like a Georgia Tech did, and Virginia Tech was able to take them out of the game. I think – I don't know much about Clemson at this stage. You know, the game preview will come out on Wednesday morning. But I like where Tech is right now. I think Tech seems more – I think they have a better idea of who they are now that they've started to play defense. And I think when – the head coach puts in the defensive specialist into the starting lineup. That triggers something in the team that says, oh, man, he's really serious about this defensive stuff. If he's taking out a guy like Ahmed Hill, who even though Med was in a slump, he's still a very potent offensive player. I mean, the guy could go off for 20 any night. If they're playing him like 10 minutes a game now, that really shows that Buzz is really serious about defense. And the beautiful part of it is – they still scored 85 points against NC State with, with Ahmed Hill hardly playing. They still scored 76 against Georgia Tech with the starters out of the lineup for the last 10 minutes of the game and with Ahmed Hill barely playing. So it's this team can still score points, uh, you know, e- even with Devin Wilson in the lineup and without Ahmed Hill. And I, I think it makes them better on, on balance. And, and I, I think I think they've they've figured themselves out. Buzz said last night he thinks the team is realizing that they do like to fight, so to speak, that, and that that's Buzz's way of saying. He said it's not human nature to want to fight. It right. is a learned behavior. It's a learned behavior. That was an interesting comment. Yeah. Um, so so Clemson, is, Clemson is not really going to be a factor size-wise. They don't okay. have a single player on the roster 6'10 or taller. Which doesn't mean they don't have good rebounders, but, you know. Elijah at, at Thomas least... is, is really the only big on this team that has – put together any consistent any consistency this year and he's averaging 10.3 points a game and seven eight point seven point eight rebounds a game and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because i mean tech has run around a lot of big teams this year now if grantham was in the lineup it'd be a little different because then you'd have two guys six eight or taller in the lineup but with him out elijah thomas is really your only reliable big at this point a lot of their scoring comes from the guard position uh reed devoe and mitchell are all listed at 6'3", and all of them average at least 11.8 points per game. 
So it's not like you're facing a guy like a Ben Lammers or a uh, or a Marvin Bagley type player that's six eleven and can and can score and grab rebounds and block shots and do all these different things. To me, it's all about pace. Um, you know, Georgia Tech foolishly tried to run up and down the court with Virginia Tech on Saturday, Ooh. and that's that's just not smart. You know, they they hung in there early and it was fourteen to eight, but then after that they just got drilled. And uh, you know, North Carolina couldn't run up and down the court with Virginia Tech, where they chose and that's a team not. That they, they chose not to. Right, and that's a team that likes to generally do that. Right, right, exactly. And you know, I have not studied Clemson's pace, but you know, if they're a really good defensive team and and not a great offensive team, I'd imagine that they. They're not going to rank really high in terms of pace well, and possessions. Eleventh like in that. the in the conference at field goal percentage tells you they're not getting a lot of turnovers and runouts and things like that. Right. Yeah. Correct. Um, Correct. So that doesn't point to them being a really potent right. offensive team. So it's going to be important for Virginia Tech to play defense and defensive rebound. And if they can defensive rebound and, and get running and get Clemson playing a game they're not comfortable playing, then that will give the Hokies their best chance to win. So, again, that game is Wednesday, 7 p.m., Virginia Tech versus Clemson in Castle Coliseum. It's on the regional sports networks. You can find an affiliate list on TSL pretty much at all times for football or basketball. Um, We'll see how that game turns out. It's sold out now, so it should be a good crowd. A Wednesday 7 p.m. game, you don't have to worry about the 9 p.m. games. So that'll be nice. I know Chris is looking forward to that, And then getting uh, out of Castle at a reasonable hour. And then Monday, uh, Duke comes to town, right? Yes. For Big Monday, and Jay Billis has been a good luck charm so far. Yes, this is true. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, but we'll notice notice that, that goes. we're not talking one bit about Duke, and, and that's fine, you know, uh, I, I Virginia Tech has to focus on this game. Yeah, I right certainly now. don't think oh, Virginia well, Tech's looking ahead to Duke. Right. Well, I mean, you got Louisville in between. Yeah. Louisville's you got, you on got Saturday. Lu- you got Louisville. Uh, help me. Yes, you're on correct. Saturday. You're correct. I, I mean, by, I by, the, by the time we do the next podcast, or unless we do another Tech one will, on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Tech, yeah. Will, Tech will have played three games. Clemson, three home Louisville, games. and Duke. Yeah. Yeah. Louisville coming up this weekend, and, and then Louisville, or excuse me, then then Duke on Monday. It's a it's a very dense homestand. There's you know three games in a short amount of time. Let's go ahead and move on to uh, Virginia Tech football recruiting. Obviously, they had a, a kind of a, a really busy weekend. Uh, they had coaching clinics in both the 757, back where I'm from, in the uh, Hampton Roads area of Virginia. Uh, they had a coaching clinic in the northern Virginia area, and then they hosted a junior day on Saturday where they bring in a bunch of kids. For 2019, 2020, some of the notable recruits who were visiting for that um, that event, Jordan Houston, who's probably a borderline four-star kid uh, from Northern Virginia. It depends on who you ask. I yeah. think. Uh, I think his. I think he's he's closer in talent to Devin Ford than his ranking would would indicate. What okay. position? Which position does Houston he's, play? He's, he's a running. Currently back. listed as running back, but there's he's, some talk that maybe he could be a uh, maybe kind of a slot receiver uh, as well. But. I, I don't. I don't see it. Okay. Watched his film the other day. I think he's a running back all the way. That's so then, so they also had uh, 2020 offensive lineman Burn Tucker, who left with an offer. 2020 wide receiver Porter Rooks, who's visited Virginia Tech several times. Now, 2020 athlete Jalen Berger, and 2020 athlete Cameron Laborn. And if that last name rings a bell, that would be Kalan Laborn's brother, who's a younger brother. Um, so we'll have to see if a Lamborghini gets broken out there. Uh, but in terms of these junior days, the, the, the main question I want to ask is, with recruiting being moved up so early in the process, you've got kids committing earlier and earlier now. You have the earlier signing day. You have kids taking earlier officials. And there was a, a report today from Devin Ford uh, from uh, Penn Live up there in Pennsylvania that Devin Ford is now going to take his officials in the spring. Um, is how he going to take all five? I, I 
I don't know. We'll, is there, we'll, is, we'll see. Is, I mean, what is current, the what is the window where you can take? Is it a five week window or is it a six week window? Uh, is it two months? I believe it's just starting in the spring. But okay, I thought there was a, there was a window and then you couldn't take them and then you can start taking them again when the season starts. But I don't know. The way Justin Fuente has described it is that they have to be ready for official visits, um, basically the entire off season now at this point. Right. So if that would be the case, then you would you would think that maybe those things would be just really the entire spring and summer. But, but if, any, if he if he takes all five in the spring and summer and then, well, if he's going to commit in June, if he takes all five in, in the spring and then commits to Virginia Tech, I'll feel really good about it because that means he'll go into the season and won't have any more official visits. Yeah. But if he takes like three this spring and commits to Virginia Tech, then, then, I, then I'll be kind of worried because – it means he'll have two visits left, and he will have already taken his tech Virginia Tech official. If he decides to start listening to other schools, he'll have a couple of visits left in the spring, and there won't be anything Virginia Tech can do to get him back on campus. Well, he can you come know? for an unofficial. I mean, he, he could, lives, but you have to pay for that. Away. Well, sure. It, you know, I just it's it's going to create this early officials is going to create a whole new dynamic. Oh, uh, sure, definitely. If if you have if you have a kid that that does um. That does take his five officials early. Right. Then he, he, at that point, he does have to pay. So if unless it's not a a program that's close, you know, it, you don't have to really worry about as much about him visiting. So here's from Sports Illustrated. Here's the official um, the official wording here. So schools will now be allowed to bring players on all expenses paid visits to campus from April to June. Okay, so, so he has time. So he has time to take all five of his officials yes. this spring if he wants to. Yes, this is true. Um, you know, and, and and he wants to commit sometime this summer, right? And I think Virginia Tech is going to get Devin Ford, so I'm not necessarily talking about Devin Ford when I say this. There's no way in heck if I'm a high school recruit, I'm taking all five official visits in the, in, in the spring. You know, leave one open. Leave. Oh, you got to go see them, see what the home crowd's like. You know, if you get a chance. Well, and you got to make sure that somebody doesn't get fired. You know, I mean, yeah, what, that's what, the other thing. What too, if you is... take all five of your visits, you commit? And then the guy gets the, the staff leaves, or the coach gets fired, or, or something like that, and and you don't have any official visits left. And those other schools you took your official visit to, well, they don't have any spots left. What do yeah. you do? Yeah. You don't have any official visits left. You got to take a bunch of unofficials. And that sounds which, like it's it's more. I mean, yeah. I just to me, I think pushing it up that I don't like pushing it up that far. To be honest, I do to a certain extent. But uh, sounds think, like a completely a whole episode of the podcast. But, oh, it's it's so many. It's one of those things. It's kind of like the early signing period. We have to let it play out and see what happens for a couple of years before we, we make judgments on it. Um, and I mentioned this yesterday when we were talking about Elijah Bowick, Virginia Tech's wide receiver commitment from Charlotte, who says he'll take his official visit to Virginia Tech this spring. You know, which is great. And I don't think Elijah Bowick is going to decommit or anything like that. But if he takes his official visit in the spring and then. Florida State offers him over the summer and decide they really want him. He goes down there for an official visit during the season, and Tech can't counter because he's already used his official visit on April 28th or something like that. Yeah. You, you know? But uh, so, so it's it just opens up a, an entirely new set of dynamics that none of us are used to. So I, I don't know how this so, how it's going to work out. So the 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 fact that the recruiting is being moved up earlier, going back to the original question, these junior days have now become extremely, extremely important because you need to get these kids on campus earlier and earlier because the the time frame of their recruitments 
has been pushed up so well, early. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, you could almost call them sophomore days these days. Yeah, because half these kids are coming kids up here or, aren't even juniors; they're like yeah. sophomores. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the rising juniors, right? De- Devin Ford. You know, he came to Virginia Tech for Junior Day well, about a month ago. It's not like that was his first visit to Virginia Tech. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, you know, so one of you know, several. and and one of one of the one of the side effects of this is that if you're going to bring kids in in the spring, February, March, um, one of the things I like to do is take them to basketball games. Mm-hmm. You can't have a Ricky Stokes level program <laughs> with four thousand people in the seats, right? And and have that be a good look, right. <laughs> you know. So, yeah. uh, do you think? Yeah, right. I mean, do you think Boston College even takes football recruits to basketball games? I wouldn't. Would you? I, I'm pretty sure you I might, would you, not. You, <laughs> might, you might take them to the ice hockey game where there's seven thousand people there. <laughs> hey, good point. Yeah. Solid yeah. point. There's always something you can do. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. and, and, and you know, going back to to Devin Ford visiting rather recently, he was on campus with Savion Jackson. Um, the coaches were all in the stands, and they were there for the Miami game. And that was a pretty pretty solid crowd. Now, granted, Tech didn't show up on the floor, but that was a pretty solid crowd, and they got to see that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So that worked out for Virginia Tech. Um, the other thing I wanted to hit on, because Virginia Tech was in the 757, that's been kind of a, a hot-button issue for Virginia Tech fans in terms of recruiting in the 757 and how it works. Um, so I wanted to ask your guys' thoughts on how R- Virginia Tech is remaking their image down there how they're able to resonate with the 757 uh, kids more. So if you, if you look at the the kids that Virginia Tech has signed under Fuente from the 757, uh, they signed two in the class of 2017 with Hezekiah Grimsley, who's from Williamsburg. Yes, that's still in the 757. Yep. And then Devin Hunter, who's from Chesapeake and went to Indian River High School in the class of 2018. Keyshawn Artis from Oscar Smith, that's in Chesapeake. And then two from Virginia Beach, Armani Chapman, who went to Bishop Sullivan, but went to Bayside first, and then Javon Becton, who went to Ocean Lakes. So it seems like Virginia Tech is um, still able to pull kids from the 757 that they want, even though they may not be able to get a guy like a Taraja Mitchell, who was a four- or five-star linebacker that Virginia Tech was recruiting for a while. Yeah, um, and you can never never expect it to be like it once was in the 757. Yeah, where Virginia that, Tech that was, was pulling that, in. That was, the, that was the perfect storm. Virginia Tech was a top-ten program. Your other top programs were weren't recruiting the seven five seven nearly as much, and the two best recruiters in Virginia Tech history, at that point, were on the staff at the same time. I mean, things could not have worked out any better. Who's Virgin- the Who's the second? Steiny and Cav. Oh, Stein. Okay, Stein. yeah, and and you know you had Cav on the peninsula, and you had Steiny in the uh, south side, on the south side of, in the Virginia Beach, on the other Portsmouth. side of the water. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, it was just a, it was a great combination out there, and and everything was conducive to Virginia Tech having a lot of success. It's not going to be like that ever again out there. I think one of the things that bugs me about seven five seven recruiting, and and this is off the top of my head, so I'm not sure how well I'm going to phrase it. It's almost like you know Virginia Tech's the in-state program, and there seems to be this perception that they should do, and again, help me talk through this, that they should do more for. There was 757 recruiting in general that they have to visit more, not just pluck the top kids, but kind of establish relationships with the schools, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. They, 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 have to, they have to recruit that area regularly. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, whereas in Alabama and, and or also, Ohio State. And also be willing to take kids regularly. Whereas yes. in Alabama is not going to take or Ohio kids regularly State from or that Florida area. State can just sashay in and go, we want you. And, <laughs> and nobody frowns at them for that. Yeah. You know? And 
Uh, does it sound like I'm complaining? Uh, no, but I mean, that's just, I, I think that that's It's the, trickier for Virginia Tech to manage. Yeah, As yeah. opposed to, I mean, we like that guy, we want him, that, that's that the, you get from other That's schools. the reality that um, most Power 5 programs are facing. If you're a, if you're a, um, a, a Power 5 program, in the, if you're Rutgers, for instance, right? Rutgers is actually pretty surrounded by a pretty decent recruiting area, the, the Pennsylvania, New Jersey area. Um you're going to have to deal with a school like an Ohio State coming in and plucking top talent from that area on a regular basis. Yeah, Penn State's a real and, problem and, for and, and it's and, and it's really hard to recruit against those because they're just in a, a different echelon. They're in a different tier. And until Virginia Tech is able to um, either boost their national profile or become a top ten program again, it's going to continue to be difficult to get those guys. You would think. I think you've got to recruit on an individual basis out there. In my opinion, I think. I think some of the things that are going on out out, out there these but, days. But what I'm, let me interrupt before you finish your thought. But what I'm saying is, it's almost like Virginia Tech isn't allowed to recruit on an individual basis, and other yeah. schools are. That's what I'm fussing about. But go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I see where you're going with that. I, I think when you have a group of players that. You know, let's face it, there's a big chunk of kids out there who want to play for Bishop Sullivan. They want to play together at Bishop Sullivan. They leave their high schools. They display zero loyalty to the coaches who developed them for their first three years of high school and then like go to Bishop Sullivan for their senior years and things like that. And then we've seen Virginia Tech recruit there, and, you know, what happens? Eric Crosby tells Zon Burton he's coming to Tech, and then the next day he commits to Tennessee. Kalan LeBourne Silently verbals to tech from what we hear. And he was then, he was committed to three schools at th- one point. At one point is what we <laughs> is what we've heard. It was never on the record, but that's what we've heard. And then you know ends up going to Florida State. Uh, Taj Capehart, Virginia Tech goes in and visits him on a Thursday night, and the tech coaches are told, no, no, he's not visiting Maryland. The next day he's in a car on the way to Maryland, going on a visit. You, so you keep going in there to to some of these kids from the same school, and 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 what and what happened? You keep getting burned. Um, and, and I, and I'm not saying that's, that doesn't, I'm not saying that just happens in the seven, five, seven, because that's, that's not no, accurate. No, it happens, but, it happens but, a lot of places, but there just seems to be more games being played out there, you know, on a per capita basis, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay. Um, let's say maybe you got, you got 10 major prospects from there and, you got you got mind games being played w- with half of them. Do you want to deal with that when well, you can just go to Charlotte and get Elijah Bowick, who so, who, ha- who has a dozen good offers? I mean, it's just to go to prospect as most of the guys. All of eleven uh, Elijah Bowick's offers are Power Five offers. Exactly. I mean, and 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 Virginia Tech did not have to jump through any hoops. You know that they they didn't have to go through any drama. That was one of the reasons I think that they were they were so happy to get Armani Chapman because Armani showed right that he was really all about and, Tech. He and, came. And camped when he had other Power Five yep. offers. He came to a satellite camp in the seven five seven, worked his butt off. I was there watching him, and he earned an offer, a committable offer. And sure enough, he committed. Correct. He committed pretty pretty after that. Right, and that's why I say we have to recruit it on an individual basis. And you look like look at a guy like Keyshawn Artis, a four star guy. And I don't remember ever being nervous or feeling like games were being played there. Well, he's an Indian River guy, right? Well, yeah. Oscar Smith. Oscar but, Smith. So, uh, so, so, uh, kind of going to that dynamic, you have the the Bishop Sullivan um, group of guys, and then you have the Fuel guys, who guys that work out at the Fuel Center down there, and that includes guys like a Devin Hunter, that includes guys like an Armani Chapman now who was working out with them, a Keyshawn Artis, 
Uh, Deshaun McLeese went to Oscar Smith. So you have none of the games are being played by the guys who are staying loyal to their own public schools that they that they grew up. You know, unless they're transferring somewhere to get more exposure and everything and. It's just more of a me game at that point, and those are the guys that seem to be playing all the all the recruiting games and and saying they're going to do one thing and and then doing another. Uh, and then you had a guy like Armani Chapman, which who did transfer after his senior year, but then wasn't playing at least that we know of any of those. Right, right. He he was he was not. And that's what you have to take it as an individual basis. Yeah. You, you can't say. I mean, I saw somebody on our boards recently saying uh, he was a fair, pretty new subscriber, and and he was saying so. I hear Bishop Sullivan's really important and everything like that. I'm like. No, it's 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 not. Um, I mean, you can recruit anywhere you want. I mean, is is a wide receiver from Bishop Sullivan any more important than a wide receiver from Charlotte or, or something like that? I mean, I, I, honestly, these days I've taken all the geography out of recruiting. I don't care if a guy's from from Virginia or a, not. I, th- I think a lot of coaches have done the same, just because it's you know it's a lot easier to recruit far away. Kids are more apt to leave and I, go out of state I, now. I think I think the world has you know gotten smaller. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So to speak, with with technology and everything like that, it just. Uh, Man, we sound like a bunch of old men right now. Yeah, I guess so. I guess <laughs> you, so. you can say that without sounding like a grumpy old get off my lawn. But, but, fart. but well, I mean, it's true. The the the, the world is the world is smaller. the world has gotten smaller. Yeah. It has. I mean, it is it is so much easier to communicate with people far away. You can Facetime with people. You can Skype with people. Yeah. You can text regularly. You can call regularly. You Bob, can follow you can them Snapchat. on Instagram. You can, right. Snapchat. You can do all of these things. And, and, and I'm not I'm not and I'm not trying to sound like. Like a curmudgeon, right? Well, I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to make anybody mad out in the seven five seven. But to me, it's just it's it's a different culture out there than it used to be, and it and it did not change for the better when it comes to Virginia Tech. Change for the better when it comes to Florida State or Alabama, Alabama or Ohio one of those State. schools. But uh, I don't think the atmosphere out there is conducive to Virginia Tech recruiting consistently well like they used to as far as like the top 10 players go that, that's all i'm saying which is fine because i mean virginia tech just signed their highest rated class they've signed in a long time and yeah. they did it mostly for the out-of-state recruits they just went down to charlotte and got one of the top five players in the state of north carolina i don't care what whether the guy's from the 757 i don't care if he's from charlotte i don't care if he's from maryland you know california where as long as, long as he can play football <laughs> yeah exactly um, so, that, that, go, uh, folks, that's all the time we have for this podcast. Remember, if you haven't listened to the other podcasts, go ahead and listen to them now. You can listen to them on TSL. You can listen to them on SoundCloud. You can download the podcast app on your iPhone. You can listen there. You can listen to them on Stitcher. We've got um, literally uh, dozens and dozens of places for you to listen to all the podcasts. Uh, we will have a game preview for the Clemson game coming on Wednesday, right? Yep. All right, so we'll have, we'll have a full Clemson game preview. You can you, you look at all the stats, and Chris will give you his breakdown of the game. And then we will have a game recap after that. Uh, and we'll obviously have a podcast after this really critical three-game stretch here for Virginia Tech basketball where they've got Clemson, Louisville, and Duke. We'll see how many wins Virginia Tech can pick up in that time span. But until then, until next time, folks, for Will Stewart, for Chris Coleman, and for Ricky Blue, thanks for listening.